afternoon, everybody. It's good to be back in Moree after probably about three months away. And um, yeah, Lucy would like to be here, but um, she had a she had uh, twin cousins who turned sixty and had a party on down in Melbourne. So she's been down to Melbourne this weekend. She's arrived probably back at home by now. And um, so that's where she is this, this week. So I'm flying solo. <laughs> right, before we start, I'll just um, read a couple of Bible passages. The first is going to be the text today, which I'm going to be, pre I'm going to be preaching from, which is Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. So we're back in Genesis. Genesis 2, 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all, the, all his work and all that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. New Testament reading is from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, reading from verse 16 to chapter 4, verse 11. Hebrews 3, verse 16. For those who heard and yet rebelled, was it not all those who left Egypt by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest? but to those who are disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering the rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard, heard they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who believed entered that rest, as he said, as I swore in my rest, wrong, they shall not enter my rest. Although his words were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he has said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and for those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, 
there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever, whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you tell us what happened right at the very beginning. You revealed to us what you did. Father, there's no other way that we could have known. But Father, your word is revelation to us. Father, for us, so that we might live for you, that we might glorify you, that we might enjoy you. Father, we pray now, that, I pray now that the words I speak might be faithful to your, your word, that your Holy Spirit, which inspired the word, might speak through me and speak into the hearts of men. Father, may we draw ever nearer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if we go back a few months when I was last standing here, the last sermon I did was on the six days of creation. This was the forming and then filling, the heavens and the earth. As God created on each day, it was culminated with the expression. There was evening and there was morning. The first, second, third, fourth, fifth day. And God looked at what he had done and he saw it was good. On the sixth day, he created man and woman and he declared everything very good. It was evening and it was morning. The sixth day. So, after the six days of creation, what did God do? Well, in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we see that he did three things, conveniently, in each verse. One, in verse 1, he finished the work. Two, in verse 2, he rested. And three, in verse 3, he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. If you want to take notes, that's the three points of this sermon. Some translations render this on the seventh day, suggesting that God worked on the seventh day in violation of his own Sabbath. <laughs> that can't be right. But what can, the Hebrew text can be translated as by the seventh day, meaning that when the, the verb should have been said, had finished expressing the completion of the act. What was it that he completed? What was it that God said was very good? God had finished, brought it to completion. It was everything that we see and the things that we can't see. There was a vastness of the universe 
to the billions of stars that fill the universe, to the beauty that was on our earth. He created the diversity of all the plant and animal life on all the earth. He created the spirit world that can only be perceived by spiritual eyes. To microscopic creatures that can only be seen under a microscope. To all the molecules and atoms that make up everything that we see. Just think that he did this in six days. <coughs> how mighty, how great is our God. It was completed. There has been no permanent change that has been made in the course of this world ever since then. No new species of animal has been formed. There are no changes to the law of nature have been repealed or added to. This could have been finished by God in a moment, but he decided to do it in six days. It was gradual for the, for the instruction of man. What was it? In finishing his work on the seventh day, God set the pattern mankind who needs regular rest and worship. Which leads us to the next point that after completing his creation then God rested from his work. Verse 2 clarifies that having finished his work on the seventh day, God rested on that seventh day. Not to rest from exhaustion from his labour God is not like us. We are finite. We wear out. We get tired. We get exhausted. Particularly the older we get. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but God is not like that. We see in, in Isaiah 40 verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God didn't rest because he was faint or weary. Or in Psalm 121 verse 4. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He didn't need to sleep. Why was it that he rested? The seventh day was a day of rest. The Sabbath. God's Sabbath rest becomes a motif through the whole of the scripture. Here, before the fall, in the present, in the perfect creation, holy. After the fall, this rest becomes a goal to be sought. Because we are so 
lazy. They were so tired. Today, as believers, we enter into that Sabbath rest spiritually. I read before from Hebrews 4, all the verses of four, uh, Hebrews 4, 8 to 10 says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God gave to his. There is a rest for us. We have been included in God's rest. Believers will certainly share in its full restoration. Hebrews, this term rest applies both to the Sabbath rest, the promised land of Israel, which is why we mention of Joshua, and fellowship with God in heaven for eternity. One thing you might notice, and this is on the seventh day, there is no mention of evening and morning. Perhaps because this Sabbath ordinance continues and we are exhorted to participate in that Sabbath with him. In Exodus 31 verse 17, it says there, It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed to look forward to the eternal redemptive rest we've read about in Hebrews already. For those who are interested in the whole creation evolution debate or the young earth, old earth, this is a topic of conversation. I recently watched a um, YouTube video where William Lane Craig, a well-known Christian apologist and, um, and very respected, but obviously an older creationist. He used the fact that there was no evening and no morning, the seventh day, as an argument against seeing all the days as 24-hour days. Interesting argument. Days one to six begin with the evening and close with morning, but the seventh day is never mentioned. This doesn't argue against the six-day creation but shows that the author had another idea in mind. That he wants us to join God in his rest. Which is why he doesn't mention evening and morning. The rabbis and the New Testament author of Hebrews uses this to conclude that God's rest is still available. In Psalm 95, verses 7 to, 11, 7 to 11, it says, For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof though they had seen my work. For 40 days I loathed that generation and said, 
They are a people who go astray in their heart and have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath they will not enter my rest. Solemn words, particularly for those of us who know and have heard this message. But we are all inclined to rebel. And so we need to take heed As God's people saved in Jesus Christ, we look forward to our eternal rest. In the meantime, we anticipate that rest by taking one day to rest from our labours, to focus on the one who created us and saved us. More than just rest, God proceeded to bless the seventh day and make it God through this time has blessed his creatures. In Genesis 1.22, God said, God blessed them and saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. He also blessed man. Verse 28, and God blessed them. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the bed, birds of the heavens, and over every living creature that moves on the earth. Now, he blesses the Sabbath by setting it apart as a special day for him. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He sanctified it because it commemorated the or the cessation of his work of creation. This term is used in the sense of setting apart for God's particular use. So very on, very early on, right back at the beginning of creation, God established a special, regular day for himself and humanity. This does not mean that all days do not belong to God, but one is uniquely set aside for communion, for worship, for praise of God and energizing rest. Well, Paul asked this morning, uh, earlier, why do we come? Why do we come? There's your answer. Communion, worship, praise, encouragement. God gives this to us right at the very beginning. Even before there was sin in the world, God knew what we needed. The narrator clearly implied that mankind made in the divine image is expected We rest. The seventh day is called holy. 
is significant that the word holy is implied in Scripture first to a concept of time, not of space. We're used to hearing of sacred spaces. Basically, you can't go anywhere in Australia without people talking about this sacred space or this sacred place. We even talk about churches as being a sacred space. God doesn't talk about that. God talks about a sacred time. One day a week. And even amongst us Christians, we can forget that. It was to secure an appointed season for religious worship. If it was necessary in this state of primeval innocence, how much more so now when mankind has a strong tendency to forget God and his claims. Observing this pattern, we should find it no surprise that nearly every human civilization from that time until today has ordered its life around a seven-day week, even though most of them have neither heard the book of Genesis nor had significant contact with one another. This is a testament written on the human heart and conscience of the truthfulness of the biblical creation. In the early days of communism, they, they tried, they experimented. They knew that this seven-day week was a reflection of the Bible. They said, we can't have that. They attempted a ten-day working week. And it didn't work. People wore out too quickly. And even in those communist countries, they had to revert back to a seven-day week. Interesting. The seven days of creation end with the description of God's grace, of God's rest. The creation account of 1, 1 to 2, 3, where God works for seven days, rests on the seventh, provides the theological rationale for Sabbath observance. Command to observe the Sabbath is found in Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Hear what it says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner, who is within your gates. Why? Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the, the, the command was based on this passage. The Sabbath is also God's special covenant sign that he gave to Israel. We've just participated in the communion. This is the sign of the new covenant to remind us of what God did for us through Jesus Christ to save us from our sin. To remember what he has done. 
God gave the Sabbath as a sign to us to remember how good God has been to us, both in creation and also salvation. Exodus 31, verses 12 to 17. The Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you and throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you, have set apart you to be my people. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Can you see why evolutionists want us to deny creation? If we deny the creation we deny God. And so we need to keep the Sabbath so as to remember what God has done. I haven't meant to, haven't actually mentioned it, but if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and look at the um, Ten Commandments, there the Sabbath commandment is not based on creation, but it's based on God delivering saving Israel out of Egypt. And so if you put those two together, Sabbath tells us that we're saved, that God created us, and God saves us. We keep the Sabbath to remember. But you ask, that's all very well, this is the seventh day. Today is Sunday. Today is the first day of the week. What happened? And I think we need to have a look at that. The church changes. The church, the church, the church didn't change it. God changed it. The interesting thing is, the seventh day of creation, what day was that for Adam and Eve? It was their first day. Seventh day of creation was the first full day for Adam and Eve. But since the coming of Jesus, the first day of the week, the Sunday, the Lord's Day, became the Christian special day for fellowship and worship. Let's have a look at a few verses. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to part on the next day and he prolonged his speech until midnight or we go to 1 Corinthians 16 1 to 3 
Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed to the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so there will be no collecting when I came. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you credit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Why, do, why does he say to put something aside for a gift on the first day of the week? Because that's when they were meeting. Or we go to Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And on that and there I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. The Lord's day, the first day of the week when Jesus rose. The first day commemorates Christ's resurrection. Just so, just so we see this, Matthew 28 verse 1. Ah, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And in John chapter 20, verse 1, again, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, saw that the stone had been taken away. Why is it that we worship on the first day of the week? Because that's when Jesus rose again and conquered sin and death. And the completion of his work will bring about the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 Therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new Worship on the seventh, we're on the first. So after all of this, let's consider some questions. Do we take that one day a week off to show our devotion to the one who created us and saved us? What is our attitude? Sabbath. This is a good indicator of our spiritual health. Do we trust God enough to take that one day a week off to remember Him? Or do we depend on our own efforts to live the Christian life or to do God's work? Or do we just see this Christian Sabbath as an interference in the way we want to live our lives. We don't want to come to worship Him, to commune with Him, to praise Him. It's interesting, of all the Ten Commandments, what's the one which is most controversial among Christians? Get non Christians. It's the Sabbath command. That's the one that people most want to argue against. And it's the one which God gave to us so 
we might take time out from our daily lives to remember Him and to humble ourselves before Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've come to the end of this part of the creation story. And in it, you show us how we are to spend our lives and that is to revolve around work and rest and worship. Father, may we not neglect the gathering together of the people, but may we always be willing, ready, wanting gather with your people, to commune with your people, to commune with you, to praise you, to worship you, to glorify you, and to enjoy you. Father, we thank you that we can do this, not as a way of coming to you, but as a way of saved sinners saved by your Son, Jesus Christ, to come and acknowledge your goodness, 